This episode of the Garage Build podcast was recorded live in the Hell on Wheels Law Fran Studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or visit lawfran.com. The Fran Hosh Law Group, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for 20 years. For 30 years, Badlands Modules has produced American-made lighting modules for American V-Twins and custom motorcycles. And for the last two decades, NAMS Custom Cycle Products has supplied builders and bikers with top-shelf wiring solutions for their projects, no matter the scope. Today, NAMS and Badlands proudly introduce premium LED lighting options from Electric Lighting Company. Go to electriclighting.com and use the discount code SPEED2020, and you'll receive free shipping on all orders over $100 in the lower 48. You can also follow Electric Lighting Company on Instagram at Electric Lighting Co. That's electric, L-E-T-R-I-C. For five decades, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company has produced mind-bending custom motorcycles and cutting-edge parts for American-made motorcycles and custom-built V-twins. From their new 10-gauge engine covers to performance air cleaners and exhaust systems, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company continues to lead the charge for the next generation of custom builders. Visit ArlenNest.com and enter the code GARAGEBUILD10 to save 10% on orders over $100. The Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company, family owned and operated for 50 years. By now, I'm sure you've heard me talk all about my workwear from 1620 USA. Here's what you need to know. 1620 workwear is 10 times more abrasion resistant than traditional workwear, and it lasts up to five times longer than the workwear you're already wearing. Their stretch fabrics move with you and not against you and need no break-in period. You deserve the best workwear that is made right here in the USA, period. Visit 1620USA.com and use the discount code SPEEDMETAL and you'll save 20% at checkout. You can also follow them on Instagram at 1620USA. 1620 workwear, made in the USA and guaranteed for life. So you've heard all about Fix Your Lids grooming products. Personally, I use the Extreme Hold Pomade the most, but they offer much more than that. They also offer styling gel, shampoos and conditioners, a forming cream, a styling fiber, and a regular hold pomade. And the best part is, 100% of all Fix Your Lid products are made in the USA, right down to the packaging. Fix Your Lid products are available online at shopfyl.com, and they'll ship them right to your door. Fix Your Lid styling products, cruelty-free and proudly made in the USA. Hey there, welcome back to the Garage Bill Podcast. As always, I am your gracious host, Jason Hallman. Hey, so this episode is one that is extremely personally important to me. Uh, this is an individual that had I not met him when I was a 15-year-old smartass, wet behind the ears, competing in Flatland in the expert class in the Great Lakes Freestyle Competitions, I don't think I would be sitting here talking to you. I don't think I would be 53 episodes into a podcast that is turning out to be something that is much greater than I could ever imagined. I don't imagine I'd be sitting in my own shop on a daily basis doing all of my own marketing and have enough intestinal fortitude to venture out on my own had I not met Mr. Greg Flowers when I was 15 years old. If you were in the BMX circle that I was in, regardless of what part of the, the nation you were in, if you were in the competitive freestyle BMX realm at all and read the magazines and ordered the videos on VHS and, and got your rocks off the way I did in, in my teens, then you've probably heard of the two hip ramp contests. And at 22 years of age, Greg Flowers had enough resources 
intestinal fortitude, work ethic. Uh, he was just a, a grimy grinder of, of getting things done. He just had uh, an incredible wealth of energy and ideas. And he's still to this day, I mean, he's just an ideas guy. He's just constantly, I look at him and, and while we both have aged 30 years, neither one of us have, have stopped thinking the way we think. And, uh, you know, we look out of the same the same two eyeballs that we've always looked out of, and, and he sees the world in such a precocious way that it, it's it's refreshing and it's it's amazing to sit down with him after all these years. And I haven't been in the same room in the same space as this individual in thirty one years, and it doesn't it it didn't show. We instantly picked up from where we left off. We weren't even people that texted each other. I mean, I barely followed him on social media. He barely followed me on social media. And it's just funny how our paths cross once again. And I mean to tell you from Jump Street, from the minute I walked in his house to the minute I left eight hours later, it was nothing but laughs, nothing but smiles, nothing but hugs, nothing but reminiscing and talking about things. And he's still the same creative genius that he always was. And I love him for it. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I did this podcast in person, that I didn't do this over the phone. I didn't do this over FaceTime. I didn't want to marginalize it. I wanted everyone to know that when I went up to Michigan to sit down with this guy, and including him, that it was the most meaningful and substantive podcast that I had ever done. So I certainly hope that you enjoy it. And if you don't, I know it's not a motorcycle-related podcast, but I can only tell you this. I am who I am today. Because when I was 15 years old, Greg Flowers mentored me without even knowing he did so. And so I would encourage all of you and challenge all of you, if there's a kid that looks up to you and you may or may not even know it, start paying attention. And remember this, this guy didn't know that he was mentoring me. This guy didn't know that I was watching what he was doing. This guy didn't know that I was going to emulate and model myself after him. So think about that for a second. If there's a young man or a young woman that's in your life that uh, maybe asks a few too many questions, maybe ingratiates themselves a little bit too much into what you're doing, there's a reason for that. And children love structure. They love discipline, and they love to learn. And had I not ingratiated myself, had I not asked a few too many questions, had I not made sure that I went out of my way to observe what he was doing, I just don't think I'd be where I'm at today. And for that, I, th I thank you, Greg. And I hope that when you hear this, that, you, that, the, that the love and adoration and the respect that I have for you comes through and that you know that you changed my life. And uh, without you, I don't think there would be a Garageville podcast. I don't think there would be a Cycle Stop USA. I don't think that when I built my first race car that I would have gone to the to the degree that I did to try to market myself and get sponsors and get matching shirts for everybody that hung out with me and, and got window stickers and, and pushed it that way. So I thank you very much for all you've done for me over the last 30 years, even though you and I haven't spoken in 30 years. So I hope everybody enjoys this podcast. It means a ton to me. And uh, God bless everybody.
listening to the Hell on Wheels podcast with your host, Jason Hallman. All I do is I hit record and we're recording right now, and then that's just it. We just pick up where we left off. <laughs> All right, where do you want to start? Well, no, I uh, where I want to start is is I have to introduce you, and so go ahead and introduce yourself. Just tell everybody who you are. All right, my name is Greg Flowers. I've been uh, I live in Michigan. I love this place. I've been uh, involved in all kinds of crazy sports all my life, and uh, I like to promote and uh, get everybody to the next level. That's about it. Right, and so the reason why I wanted, I wanted to do this for a very long time with you, but I wanted to make to make sure that it, I had my shit together to the point to where I could actually tie everything together because everything that I do is so motorcycle centric, right? And what I try to get everybody to understand, and the people that are listening to this, is that you're not going to, you're gonna, you're gonna not achieve, or you're you're not gonna hit a hundred percent of the the targets that you don't aim for, right? I mean, that's an important thing. And so I learned from you at a very early age as somebody that whether you knew it or, or didn't know it, that you were you were mentoring me just by being that many years ahead of me and somebody that I could I could look up to. So if we go back and do the math to where we knew each other or where I got to meet you, where I first found out about you was in nineteen eighty seven, yeah. Flint to hip. Right, oh, the so, two hip king of vert. Yeah, so you had the king Play of vert, right? Yep. So that was uh, overwhelmingly. That was in. I want to say it was in May or June, right? Uh, June, right? So yeah. eighty-seven. Actually, was it, it was May. May. I thought it was May because, and, and here's here's my here's where I, my point of reference is. So I moved back from Houston in nineteen eighty-six, and, and and I would just call that summer. That summer was basically a wash because. How about May twenty-eighth? 1988. Oh, there you go. See? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's perfect. A, yeah. Playland. A ticket. Playland. Yeah. I, would have, I would have not remembered that. But I do. I had a um, I had a LeClick camera. LeClick. Do you remember the LeClick? That yeah. was the disc. It was like the other Kodak disc. And I got a LeClick camera for Christmas in 1986. I got 1986. I got my, I had already bought a Haro Master, an 85 Haro Master frame. And I had Tough Wheel 1s. And there's a picture of, I'm sure there's a picture of me sitting on this bike on my Instagram feed. It had mongoose bars, uh, Odyssey neck, the six bolt. I really, I always thought, I, I always liked things that were kind of like, like weird and in kind of left or right of center, right? right. Um, it, gimmicky things. You know, the Odyssey stuff was the most gimmicky. It came out of Mushrooms, nowhere, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, OD, that was ODI. Oh, ODI. So ODI. I'm talking about Odyssey, Odyssey was different. You're right. Odyssey came out with the gyro. Odyssey came out with the brakes that yeah. had the speed holes in them that were that were like hexagonal shaped, the brake calipers. Everything yeah. was real dimensional. And they had that six, they, they copied the old Torker six bolt neck, the real narrow six bolt neck. And mm-hmm. they had this really cool logo with like a circle with all these lines and it said Odyssey through it. And I just thought it was cool. I, I always wanted to have the cool shit that uh, that was like what everybody had, but I didn't want to have the exact same thing as them, right? Right, right. So that was eighty six Christmas, eighty seven Playland two hip. That mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't know that then, but I learned that that you were the promoter for that. You were the one that did that. So I'm f- uh, fourteen. You're eight <laughs> years older than me, right? Right. So or seven years, seven years, seven uh, years. You're seven years seven, older than me. Yep. Right, because I'm 47, you're going to be... I'll be 55 tomorrow. Okay, so no, that's eight. Uh, November 25th. Yeah, so you, that's actually eight years. So I'm fifth, I'm 14, plus eight, four plus eight is 12, you're 22. Mm-hmm. So at 22, you had the intestinal fortitude, uh, the financial means, 
uh, and the ability to kind of promote something that you brought up what was equivalent to a national event. It was a national event. Yeah. There I was mean, only like four or five stops that year. Right. There was there was the Enchanted Ramp. Yep. There was yours. There was mine. Then there's uh, there was one in Oregon. Really? I see. I don't remember that one. The two hip. Yep. That was because I remember the Wilkerson left one of his pieces here, and um, I threw it in the back of my truck and drove to Oregon and was judging the and I judged the event. So, th- and that was a, just a ramp only competition, right? So that's yeah. eighty seven, and that's the same year I went to Woodward for the first year when they still had the clear quarter pipes. Yeah. And I went there with a overly heavy motor, uh, motorcycle, over he- overly heavy bike. I don't even. I honestly was trying to think about that today, like uh, you got. He's asking a question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he needs you. you all right. <laughs> no, I sent the message. Did you get it? Oh. Oh, he texted you. Yeah. Thanks. Just sent some photos. Uh, no worries. So, uh, so that was the same year I went to Woodward, and so Woodward still hadn't had um, the the. Freestyle influence hadn't really happened at Woodward. So as a BMX kid that was freestyle only, we go to Woodward, and it was not what we thought it was going to be at all. I was there for one day. I fell and broke my hand, had to come back. Didn't get to go back till 88. But by that time, you had had your second two-hip show, mm-hmm. right? And then you were riding factory Kuahara yep. with Chris Ketchum, uh, Mike Loveridge you were talking yep. about earlier, right? And then there was another Chris Obermeyer yeah. and uh, uh, Gabe Merquin. So Gabriel, yeah. At twenty-two, you're still riding freestyle. Yep. After a a, a successful BMX run, because mm-hmm. you, know, you would you'd come out of the racing world, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so for guys that were my age, we looked at you like I mean, you were you you had had you were like not a god, but I mean you you had you were an adult, right? And you had it figured out, and you were still doing it, and you still had enough wherewithal to to reach down and pull as many of us up as you could. To help us out so, yeah i pretty much spent every waking hour on my bike pretty much and that was my i just loved the love the crap out of it it was it was one of those things where you go back and you anytime we were doing a jam circle or whatever riding someplace there's always kids that gravitate over and they kind of hang out and i would always like pull kids in and say hey the funniest story i ever have is uh we were doing a show at grand blanket uh, uh right oh i remember because, that place yeah so we had our the kuahara ramp we just got through rebuilding that thing and it went, it came up, and uh, uh, the, this one kid that was in the in the sidelines, and he's like, "Dad, Dad, I want a kid, I want a bike that does that." And uh, and I, it just so happened that I heard him, so we, we did our show and stuff, and I went and found that kid later, and I goes, "You know, it, it, this takes quite a bit." I goes, "It takes a lot of practice." I, what can you do? I so I spent a, I spent a little bit of time with this kid and taught him a couple, a few basic tricks and stuff. I goes, "You gotta keep at it, keep at it." I goes, "There's no button on this bike, so this bike." It's a bike. What you do to it is what you're going to do with it. Yeah, and what you do on it, you you can do anything you want. Absolutely, but it takes de- dedication and practice. And you know, one of the things too, Jason, we, we said earlier, you hit on uh, the fact that I was I was actually riding probably four or five years before the, the California wave hit here, and we, we talked about it before uh, uh, in personal conversations that uh, being in the Midwest, we didn't really get there was no internet. There's no well, there could have been internet, I guess, but there was no, like... We didn't have it. No, none, nobody did. We have photos in the magazines. 
and if you were if you were tied into your cousin lived in Huntington Beach or you had a cousin that lived in York PA or you, you would go to Woodward and you'd meet dudes there that were from other places around the country and I remember meeting dudes from Oslo Nor Norway the first year I was there and um you would learn stuff from them or right. see them do stuff but it was not uncommon for us to go somewhere and we would just get blown away I mean, oh, yeah, you, you'd yeah. go, you'd go to like Grand Blake Cyclery, or you'd go to Wild Bills, or you'd go to Albies, and because the, you know, the the GT team was going to be there, or the Haro team was going to be there. I never got to see the Hutch team perform. I don't think they did the Midwest stuff very much, right? You know, and the the Hutch team kind of disbanded. I think Richard Hutchins had come to the end of his tenure right around 86, 87, right? Because that's when the Hutch Excel came out and the Windstyler. And, and, and yeah. those bikes, those are horrible bikes. Right. I owned an Excel. It was a tank. Um, and everything had gone overseas because Rich had done so much work on having his bikes built in Maryland and other places in this country, all of his products, right? Right. And so, you know, it, things cycle out. Like when you look at things like Scott Breithup, um, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right that you know is considered Bright like, hop is that how you say it bright yeah. hop okay yeah. like sc yeah so like yeah. those dudes he was done by the time i started riding i started riding 84 85 right right and so those dudes that were already adults and had companies and had had adult problems right and dealt with dealt with those um but here we were in michigan we got we were very heavily supported in the summertime like you'd get your BMX Plus, right, or your BMX Action, or your American Freestyler, <laughs> and you'd look at where the teams are coming, right? Yeah. And I can remember, you know, you'd go through and you, you knew everybody was going to be at Grand Blake Cyclery because uh, the Mongoose team was coming, yep. right? Or and then you'd find like these secondary tours, like we were talking earlier about the Danup tour that was Dennis McCoy, Matt Hoffman, uh, Rick Moliterno, and Gary Pollock that they put this this ad hoc team together from different manufacturers because mm -hmm. uh, at the time in 87, that was the same year that I was talking about earlier there. Uh, Matt Hoffman was still an expert. He was like, yeah, you know, he's a 14 year old expert in 87. Right. So I remember the first time he did a, his backflip air, we were at an orbit in New Jersey. It was an event. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember, well, not that, that I want to conclude my, my career or anything, but I remember them calling my name to, to go up and, and I'm, I'm, in the crowd with my bike waiting and I, I look up and Matt just cleanly pulled that backflip there. This was the first time he did it in a competition. You know, there've been rumors and stuff. Sure. Yeah. So this is like, when you talk about him being an expert and then just launching one is one thing is amazing, but I remember taking my bike back to my car, my truck and put it back in there. And, and that was pretty much the end of my competition. Yeah. Not, not that it was, not that it deterred me or anything, but that was like, that was a long, it was a long span for what we're talking about in the beginning. So like we get to watch Matt, like Hoffman just kill it. Yeah, and then and then for all intents and purposes, and not to jump ahead, but for all intents and purposes, freestyle became uh, almost it, it was non-existent for a while. Skating right. took over, right? right? Yep. The internet started very early. Internet started so, and why I think I think that pulled kids away from wanting to be outdoors. I think it pulled kids from away from you, know, you still had people playing conventional sports like mm -hmm. you know basketball, baseball football things they could play at school but we were never endorsed very heavily um as being bmxers i don't think anybody ever no. took us seriously growing well, up. The, you know you see the signs everywhere too that was a big thing too like there was a stigma that came along with yeah no being a skater yeah. in, in, in bike or whatever 
no bicycles or skateboards, but in, and they had these signs. No rollerblading. Rollerblading, yeah. You know. No fruit booting. Yeah, exactly. You know what the hardest part about rollerblading is, right? Explaining to your parents that you're, you're gay. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. It would be a tough one. It would be a tough one. Yeah, I had rollerblades, but I, they were at least the Bauer hockey boots. I, have, I right? still have some Majestic 12s downstairs right now. They still fit. I, I put them on every once in a while. I'm, Do you, gonna... I, I just, I'm looking around the room that we're in, and there's some. There's definitely some some history in here. I see a couple bonehead stickers. You have your club homeboy uh, oh, membership yeah. card and stuff. That I mean, it's kind of an odd thing to still have like accessible at that point Actually, in time, right? Two of them. One Wait, was uh, one was issued by uh, Andy, and one was issued by, by Lou. Lou. Yep, that's so funny. Are they the same number? No, they're no. different numbers. One is uh, indefinite. There's no number on oh. the one. That's cool. Yep. Fierro needle, Greg yeah. Fierro needle flowers. flowers. Do tell. So uh, as far as the Fierro needle goes, that was uh, in my design career because a lot of people don't know in my, the bike world that I w- I've been in an automotive design my entire life since uh, since high school. I've been in product design and product engineering. But uh, I got to leave the one job I was on and, and work from, with my older brother on the Fierro program. And uh, w- what would happen is I, I redesigned the light pipe in the pot in the the pod for the uh, instrument panel. Right. So they had some issues. They have hot spots one way or the other. You're looking at the, the instrument panel. It's like, because it was all lit with right. bulbs back then. There was no LED. So um, I redesigned the, the needles on it based based on how we could get the light directed into to, uh, to the instrument panel. So I told that story to Andy, I think, one time. It, it, that was Lou. I think it was Andy. But... Um, he, uh, that's when he issued that card, Greg Fierro Needle Flowers. It's kind of funny. Isn't it funny when you look at the people that were in, because I, I wasn't in the, right, you're not in the industry, right? Like as a BMX rider or as a right. freestyle rider, if you're not, I mean, I didn't look at it that way. I guess to some, to some degree, we kind of were, because that's what it was, right? Mm-hmm. We were, we were participants and we were active participants and we had very different, um, roles that we played, but it was one of those things where you put in and there wasn't really a lot to take out back then. No, you know, like zero. What, one of the, one of the things too, let's go back to the two hip real quick. And that's a perfect example. So we had an opportunity to uh, bring a a national event to, to the area. And just because, you know, here I'm out, I'm going to competitions, AFA masters and whatnot. And um, one of the times I was at AFA masters in New Jersey, I'm sitting up in the, cause it was in a gymnasium and they had the stands out. And I had my headphones on. I'm sitting back up, like by myself. Right. Just kind of suck myself in my run, going through everything that's going on in my head. Listen to the tape that you're going to be playing. Listen to my tape. I'm going to listen. And yep. And I got everything timed out. And then uh, Josh White came up and sat down. It's like, what's up, Greg? And he shoulders me. And I'm like, hey, Josh. And I sit back down. And it was one of those moments that I look back. I'm like, he knows my name. You know? Yeah. So at, at that point, we've been around so many people, like Wilkerson and Blyther and like, you know, the Howard team and all these other 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 riders out that we were just friends. I mean, it, it wasn't that you, you, you take that away like, oh, my gosh, that's so-and-so. Sure. Well, there, there are people just like us. They ride just like us. We're, we're just the same big loving family that we love to ride. And uh, so taking that back, I, I had the opportunity to have some sort of insight with even actually with Wilkerson when, when it came around. I'm, hey, if I build this, will you come? So it was like, Absolutely. So we, st- we, I went in, uh, in flushing with my dad. There's no Home Depots. There's no Lowe's. At, no. The, ver- at the very best, you've got either a Salem lumber or a Church's lumber or a Forest City at, at 
biggest. It, it's the best, yes. So we, we went and built this monster of a ramp in Flushing in, in sections. There are six sections of it. Actually, we did the, the flat there and all the, the upper deck while we were there, but um, six sections of quarter pipe we drove from Flushing to Grand Blanc to, to Playland and, and pull together piece by piece. And lo and behold, there's two hip. So we built it, they came, and we had a blast. That was an amazing day uh, for me. That was the first time I had ever attended anything that was organized, right? So you talked about the jam circles, right? Mm -hmm. And so that, that just kind of happened. You'd have a parking lot that everybody kind of congregated in, and you would learn about these different parking lots, right? Like So the one that, that Josh and uh, Josh Evans and Todd Ogre and John Preville and myself would would congregate in was we'd called it the we called it um, the home window parking mm -hmm. lot because the home window company was based in that parking lot right and we had this whole section that they had pay, paid for some reason that no one ever used and there was no business by it oh. right so it was bitching it, it was like it was just ours right awesome and uh, Dairy Queen was right there and there was a Seven Eleven there so we could you know we would always always <laughs> always get a big gulp <laughs> right. right and you know he'd go over to Todd Ogre's house I remember going to Todd Ogre's one time and he had big gulp cups stacked so towers the way it was like a tower and it was like leaning over like touching the ceiling of the room right we and so uh, us kids we didn't have a bunch of other little ancillary shit like we didn't have video games and we didn't have baseballs and baseball mitts and football all we had was our bikes bikes our vans and our big gulp cups. I mean, that sounds, I'm not complaining at all. And we, we had boom boxes because we had music because you had to ride to music. Oh, right? yeah. Sure. So, but that was like, that was such an, that was what was important. That was what we did. We just spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on our bikes. And so I mm -hmm. always tell people like, look, this thing that I do with motorcycles is, is such a natural, it was such a natural transition once it became available to me, the motorcycle thing. Right. And um, I, because I didn't consider it. But when you draw the parallel to it and you look at, I basically, my entire life has been on, on two wheels, mm -hmm. right? And so it, 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 and now that I'm where I'm at in, in my career and where I'm at in my social circles that I'm in now, I have so many friends that they, they had a similar experience as me, right? They were BMX kids. They tried, they tried you know, some of them, thank you. Some of them were successful. Some of them were unsuccessful. Right. Some of them were, I mean, but they've all had, they've all had that experience. So when you're having this conversation, that's why this is so relevant. Like having you on here is so relevant because you're the same as me. Right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to 33 years of, of friendship. friendship. Absolutely. How amazing is that? It's There's not amazing. a lot of dudes that can say that they still keep in you know, it's peripheral, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we live a thousand miles apart. Our lives took very different, very different paths, but we still have this in common. And mm -hmm. so when I was talking to you earlier about, um, I learned promotion from you. I learned how to put a team together for you, from you. Like everything that you did, we just kind of emulated it in our own way and, and it worked. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you figured out, you figured it out. You're from the Midwest, so you, you were doing it with no data. Right, zero data. So how did, you, how did you navigate those waters and, and, and you cleared that path for the rest of us that were, that were coming up behind you? Where, where did that come from? Basically, um, I could break it down in a nutshell, right? So every, there's a path for everything. So if you have a path, you have a direct route to do something. So if you, if you ever want to do something, you have to figure out what you want to do first 
and then how to get there. So however, however, whatever happens in the way, all those roadblocks, you just have to make your path. So you make your way through everything. So if we need a permit for this, we get a permit. That's, that's kind of like, um, uh, I'm going to go back. So there was a, there was an organization back that wanted to, so we were doing Great Lakes Freestyle, doing events, right? right. So when we were doing the events, there was actually another, um, it, it wasn't AFA, but it was another organization that said, hey, you know, just send us this money and then do this. Well, I needed to build ramps. I need, you know, wood's not cheap and we're not, you know, we're not going to go steel wood. Right. So, I mean, in, in back in the day, that was kind of a thing. You go to, you know, lumberyard or whatever, yeah. kind of like hike it out, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I kind of never, never got on that bandwagon. I was like, go out and buy the wood, build the ramps. Right, like the street karma. vents or whatever. Exact karma's big. Yeah, Dude, exactly. I, I believe in karma like big oh, time. It, yep. it, it drives my. It is a real thing. I do. It's yeah. a real thing. So, um, I got out of doing, um, tr- trying to follow someone else's path. Right. So I said, all right, we're just gonna do this on our own. We'll do events here. Where we, where do we want to go? So we just started having events, and we we're out riding, and we post people, you know, post to everybody. Where not post, but. We let everybody know where we're riding. Right. So how do you and do that? Right. Like you. So think about like how magazines helped. They helped out a lot because we, Chris and I we'd we go in uh, Mar, uh, Mario and uh, Amato. So we, we would practice at uh, that laundromat over on Krona and Lennon. Okay. So that's where we'd always be. And one of the stories that came out, I think it was either BMX Plus or something. It's like you know how to contact a you know Kuruhara team, whatever had my parents' address down. It was kind of really cool that it was out there, got a lot of letters and sent everything back. But um, it was also posted where we practiced. So there was, it, it just put the beacon out there. Again, six months later, the magazine comes out and then kids start showing up. And we're doing parades and we're doing this and we're doing all kinds of other things. We're just in everybody's faces when, when this is happening. So on an early age, we like, again, I reiterate, we were riding probably five, six years before it really had a boom. How we met a motto, Chris and I would go to the bike shop and there, there was a box there that was the broken parts that started you know, filling up. I'm like, Who's, who broke a pair of flight cranks? Oh, that's this kid over here. So I want to meet that so kid. So you want to meet the kid. I want to meet that kid. Right. Because he's pushing that stuff to the, he's pushing that shit to the limit. So it ends up being a motto, a motto Seldana. So we get a motto. It's like, well, what's going on, buddy? We start, you know, we start riding together. Next thing you know. You know, it gets bigger and bigger, and it's just kind of like, it's like a snowball, right? It just got bigger as it went. So as the years went, Grand Bank Secker was sponsoring us. We put a video together. And actually, I, I just got that moved to digital, and I have to go pick it up, actually. Our reflex video. Okay. I'll, I'll have to get to you, and you can kind of put that out there if you like. Um, but uh, that promotional video, we got a sponsorship from Haro. And it wasn't, it was, it was a good deal and everything, but then... We got a hold of uh, Howie Cohen and Mike Loveridge, you know, Kuahara. Yeah. They came back and says, hey, you know, we hear you got a ramp and you got a team and we want to do a tour and uh, you're our people. So that's kind of how that started, you know. But, uh, and that was Reflex. We were uh, Team Reflex. I couldn't. Then. Okay. So you were Team Reflex and I put Josh, myself, Norm Ryder, and uh, so myself, Josh, Todd. Josh Evans, Todd Ogre, and Norm Ryder, uh, we put all we put us all together, and we were Team X. Yeah. And uh, we were doing demos, and I was trying to figure out, like, those dudes just wanted to ride, yep. right? Um, you know, Josh was a really, really talented rider. 
um, and um, Todd was a really talented rider because he would try anything. Like he would mm-hmm. he was willing to sacrifice the body, right? So like he learned your pop tart. I remember him learning the pop tart like oh, over that's and insane over and yeah. over and over. You know, here he's just riding, he's going as fast as he and he would he would try to learn like roll aids. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who pioneered the roll aid because it, it'll come to me. It might be Chris Day. Possibly. I think it could be Chris Day. I know Day it or... wasn't Kevin Jones. Um I don't remember who exactly pioneered the roll aid, but I remember he Maybe it was Jeff Cotter was oh, somebody be. that was good at that too, but so he he would go as fast as he could, like he would ride as fast as he could get going in like fifty feet and do the roll it, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what is this guy's insane? insane <laughs> like right. that's that's a bananas, but he he would fall enough times and bleed and cut himself to where he would do it. Well, so we would go to the elementary schools, and I just had the gift of gab and. We would get the elementary school to pay us a hundred dollars right. to do say no to drugs demos right. for their students. They'd let us practice in their gym, which is really why we were doing it because we could practice in an air conditioned gym. And we'd get a day off of school plus a hundred dollars. And then we could we we started getting a pushback that, well, you guys don't have insurance. We can't insure you. Oh yeah, that was huge. So a lot of places that was a big big barrier. So what we did was I don't even know how I found this out because there's no internet. But somehow, through the Boy Scouts of America, we started a just say no, a dare troop, right? right? A just say no thing that Nancy Reagan had put together. And because we did that, and we had four guys, and we paid money, like we all paid for a, a $35 membership for the year, we had Boy Scout insurance and could put on a show anywhere we wanted to go. That is awesome. That's perfect. I did that when I was like 14. That is awesome. <laughs> I didn't even have a driver's yep, license. That sounds exactly dude. like, yeah, that is, that is definitely the way to go. But I mean, it was just when you when I think back at like how you had blazed a trail for for all of us, and the, how how ingenuity is kind of created by a lack of conduit. You know what I'm trying to say? Like you, you yeah, know, no, like you said, you know you want to get over here. You absolutely. can't see the forest. Lack the of trees, path. Right? Yep. So there's no path. Lack of but path. You, you find a way to get it done, and it's because necessity is the mother of, of invention. And it, absolutely. And it creates this, this space where some people just kind of go home, and other people kind of step up and make it happen. And I don't remember there being a problem. I just remember solving them. Right. There you go. So roadblock road buster. Exactly. Yeah. So you you did two. What did it cost to build that ramp back then? Do you remember? Um, I can't remember exactly. What would happen is like so it was Playland, Grammy Cyclery, and myself. So we're partners. So you're partners in in, yep. in, in in participating in that, right? Yep. And one of the things I had was a, uh, uh, I mean, not that I didn't trust them or anything, but the the whole thing with making this whole thing this event happen. Right. It was to get paid back on the for the ramp and. I, I, I really can't remember. It was uh, a couple grand. I know that. It was a lot of money. And again, my, my design job, like that afforded me the money that I could do. I used to take the summers off, actually. I remember because it was like you had somehow had it figured out. And I, I mentioned to you earlier that American Freestyler had a, an article that they did on you, like an expose, which was really kind of a, a tough. A lot of people didn't get that done. Right. And you were this outlier guy. And, and I'm looking, there it is right there on the wall. Oh, yeah. That's the article. And, uh, I think uh, that was freestyling, I think. Oh, it was American Freestyler? Yeah, just no freestyling magazine. Was it? Was it? Okay, so. I don't know why. I, the, the way that the text looks in that, I, I was thinking that that was, that was done in American Freestyler. Yeah, that, they, is, that, that actually came out in 88. And um, Chris and I were out in California. We did uh, heat, 
we were doing uh, a video shoot for 101 Tricks. Yeah. So that was BMX Plus, but but we were there for Kohara, and actually Wendy took all those shots. Wendy Osborne. Wendy Osborne. Yep. We talked about her earlier today yep. about her dad. Yep. And her brother, and how to me, I know Bob Haro is credited with being the inventor or the godfather of freestyle, but absolutely. I credit the Osborne family with being the first family of BMX, like the, the legit, like, you know, um, we, we didn't have the, I, I keep going back to this. You could, you got a magazine, right? You yep. remember you got a periodical every month. And if yep. you, if you saved up your money, you could get a BMX plus mm -hmm. a BMX action. You could get an American freestyler. There was super BMX and freestyle. Mm -hmm. And you know, and there was always kind of, I always felt like there was always these other ones that kind of came in and out of, of that. But that was it. That was right, your that source. That was everything. So between those, going to shows in the summertime, going to competitions if you could afford to, or if you were, if you're, you know, you were, what, I don't you know. Travel. Right, but I mean, if you could travel, if you're fortunate you have enough a buddy to have with a buddy with travel. a car or something, yeah, I mean, somebody I would take you. 13, my parents weren't, my parents didn't have the means to drive me to Pennsylvania for meet right. you know that's why when you started promoting your shows through great lakes freestyle yep, everybody's here we could do it my parents my parents i can remember that was the first time in a long time that my parents could actually go and do that that with me otherwise it was give me a money and i would ride with somebody else because they mm -hmm. couldn't afford to go too and i remember i got in trouble one time i was hanging out with uh josh and todd and rob and those guys uh didn't they weren't parented in the same way that I was parented. Let's just put it that way, right? And so when they would miss a trick, there was this thing that happened when some of these dudes would miss a trick, they would get mad and they would throw their bike. Be angry, do, right? Yeah, they'd be angry, right? And they would they would act out. And uh, I did that at your, one of your events. Oh. My parents were there. And when I got done with my run, uh, my dad told me that if I ever did that again, that I would he would destroy my bike and I'd never ride it again. That, that that's not how we act, right? That right? If you if you lose, or you you fuck something up, or you break something, or you, you yep. just deal with it, right? Yep, you know, deal. and so, and I'm and I I can remember kind of you were you were not like uh, you were never like a father figure to anybody. It was always you were always like this older brother figure that like made sure that everybody had what they needed to do what they were gonna do. But you were always so stretched thin on those days, right? Because you were trying to make sure everybody was where they were Everybody's supposed got, to be. Exactly. The many, many moving here. pieces. Yeah. Yep. And so even today, this, you know, we're, my wife and I are, are part of this organization that's putting on this indoor custom motorcycle show. And I steal so much of that from what <laughs> I learned from, from you watching you. Like, you didn't you didn't back away from any challenge at all. If it was, Zero. if it made, if it made sense to you to do it, you just, you were always even tempered and you found a way to get it done. You always were happy. You were always smiling. You were always helping, but you were yeah. always getting stuff done. And you knew how to tell somebody, Hey man, I can't do that right now, but you know, come see me before the end of the day. Let me, you know, right. you never told anybody to fuck off. You never told anybody to get away. You never got angry. You never acted like your head was on a chopping block, but you laid it on there every time I you do. went to do something. Yep. I put my neck out many many times and uh you're right though like it, it, without everybody without all the riders without anybody that ever came to any show we would just still be riding which again would be totally fine with me but i love it so much that i wanted to get it out there i wanted to make sure everybody knew exactly what's going on so doing the events and, and getting out there and, and being that person you're right there's a lot of we have a lot of uh in our industry 
um, skating, biking, whatever. Yeah, the they're just they're sports, just not right? people. Just not people person, right? They 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 ride and it's it's great to watch and stuff too. But then you have people that are they're going to get out there and say, "Oh yeah, this is exactly how you do this." It's not like we hold our tricks close to us. No. Right. So, I, you know, I had once you do it the first time and land landed like. Oh yeah. Remember remember what it felt like. You could do the trick and practice. Right, you would practice, 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 and you land it right. Yep. And then everybody, all your friends, would just like, just jump around you and high Absolutely. fives, right? And then, yep. and then, as soon as you did it the first time, like two more times, it was like it, it was almost like it was nothing. Nothing. Yep. You right? go on to the next it was one. Nothing, and you go on to on the next, next one, one, right? Yeah. And so, you see these, you see these people. You, you you would see people do that, and then once you landed in competition, it was like. It was like done. You couldn't use that trick anymore as your ringer. You right. Could, you, it was your ringer one time. It would I win you that, that competition one time. You know the cool thing too. The AVA Masters in Ohio. I remember. I remember this. Columbus, vividly. right? Columbus. Yeah. Uh, Chris and I were in the car on the way down there, and we've never been in a competition like that level of competition before. It's like, well, technically just, we're beginners because it's our first time. And I looked at Chris and just we were 87, driving. 89? Um, it was be, I think it was before that. Oh wow. It was before that because we got sponsored and stuff before. So it could have been, uh, yeah, I, didn't even, I can't even guess right now. But AFA Masters Ohio, we can look it up. Um, I looked at Chris and it's like, we're, gonna, we're entering expert. Exactly what we're going to do. Nobody watches beginner and we're not pro. So we entered expert and we killed it. I remember doing my routine and that, that same trick, the Pop-Tart. Nobody, nobody has ever seen that before. And I, I pulled that out in that event. Cameras are going off like crazy. Crowds going nuts. And, uh, you know, to explain that, it's like I get cranking as fast as I can. I jump straight from my pedals, stand right on the handlebars, upright, and I'm, I'm going from one corner to the next corner, standing out like, you know, like, you know, Jesus, I'm hitting my arms up, you know. And going back to what you said about the photos, we saw the bar rides. We know what bar rides were. It wasn't a new trick. Right. But how I got into it blew people's fucking minds. Yeah, because James McGraw, do you do you do you know who that is? Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, he still rides. He's he a still pro rides. Today. I, yeah, I still I, communicate with him. Oh, uh, absolutely. And I, I want to have him on the podcast. But before I had any BMXers on the podcast, I wanted to have you first uh, because I wanted everybody to understand, like, because this is a motorcycle podcast, right? It's like, right. That, that's who I. That's who my audience is. But every single one of these people that listen to me, I, I try to tell them my story, mm-hmm. but I can't tell them my story all the way without introducing them to you because what I do now is so ingrained in what I watched you do. And so people, it'll help people understand like why I govern myself the way I do. There's a lot of pieces, the right? It There's is. a lot of pieces. It's, it's so nuanced. Yep. As soon as you, you move along in life and what happens is everybody that has a part of it molded exactly what's going on. I, I, I feel the same way. I have, I have uh, people that look and I pay attention. That's the thing. A lot of people just, you just got to pay attention. So well, getting back to what you're saying, like we didn't have, we couldn't go to YouTube and go, okay, no, how to do no, a no, pop tart. No. Right. So no. the picture comes out of you standing on the bar, you're doing a bar ride. Everybody's right. going bananas, but everybody doesn't know that it's because you fucking jumped, jumped. from your pedals. <laughs> jump straight up, no hands, no nothing, just straight from the pedals right to the handlebars. And, uh, and again, let's go back because that's all I knew. I didn't. I didn't know that there's like one hand down. You step one foot up, and you right? Or you go from. You, uh, you how about the Jeff Cotter way, where uh, you would go from doing a surf, and then lean forward, and then lean forward, right? Yeah. Which yep. he—that's his signature that's move, absolutely. But the only reason that we knew that that's how Jeff Cotter did it, 
because there was a step because there was a step by step in the yeah. back of in the back of BMX plus oh, yeah. right it was like boom 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 I can remember um, Giuseppe's uh, Giuseppe, Giuseppe Mays yeah like they would always show him like twisting doing backwards. stuff yeah, yeah yeah doing his stuff and Diz Hicks yeah and this is awesome stuff. yeah you know like there's like all these human beings that we all had we shared this this space with or this one minute with or this one you know, like I was telling you earlier about me getting to ride in the Haro van and going out of town with them and having them at my house for dinner. And, and I tell people that, and then I show them the picture of Matt Hoffman at my dinner table and they're just like, it doesn't process. Right. And so, cause they didn't have that experience. Right. They rode a BMX bike. Mm-hmm. They read BMX plus they knew who Matt Hoffman is. Right. But they didn't get that experience that I got. And, and like I said earlier, you miss a hundred percent of the chances that you don't take. Dude, that, that is a great quote right there. You will always miss a hundred percent of chances that you do not. And take. so I just ask a lot, you know what I mean? Like I, 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 I ask a lot of myself and I ask a lot of the people I'm around and, you know, and, and I get, I think my, you know, I have my, what I tell people all the time, one of my toxic traits is I want all my friends to get along and I want everyone to have a good time. And so when I go to the motorcycle events, it's, it's like this complete immersion and all these cast of characters. It's like, uh, it's awesome, you know, cause this guy's known for this and this guy's known for that. And this guy is fun to party with. And this guy's maybe not fun to party with, but if you get him, you know, you get him enough booze, a certain kind of booze <laughs> or in a certain situation, you know, you know, it, like I said, it's so nuanced, right? Mm-hmm. And so you learn, you learn that space. And, and you know, it's like the ride, like you were talking about the ride down to Columbus, Ohio, right? That's four hours from here, four and a half hours yep, from here, right? Yep, a four hour drive. So you have like this four hour conversation with Chris mm-hmm. and you guys are, you know, team reflex, right? And you're going to go in, it's your first competition and you're going to go in as experts, right? Mm-hmm. Which is... We're scared, of sh- we're scared shitless. Yeah, right? You pay your 60 bucks or because th- you got it, you had to join the AFA and then you had to pay your entry fee, right? Yep. And then you get down there and everybody's got like this, this thing, you know, your mom, at the time you were an adult, but... My mom would give me a check for the AFA, like here's your membership, right? And then you know, thirty five dollars for the year, right? <laughs> right, and then and then here's your 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 membership or your your entry fee for the day, right? Right, and you had all these pieces and parts to put together, and you go down to AFA and you have this four and a half hour conversation about what you're going to do, and you're nervous and you're scared shitless, and then you get called up, and then the butterflies start in your stomach. Oh, dude, it was and the only was... thing that gives you any peace at all is that song that you've prepared your routine to, right? Big time. That's it. That's the only solace that you get out there is that you've practiced and you get in your own head and you're nervous and yep. you start. Yeah, that song. Some that song was uh, the the infected. That song. It's called the, it, the the name of the song is infected by the the. Dude, I can remember my very <laughs> first competition, where it was, how it felt, like the time of year. It was an Albies competition in a skate rink. Albies is awesome. In Mount Clemens. I had a Haro FST, the the turquoise mint green one. Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, so I had that, the FST. I couldn't have, like, again, my parents weren't... We didn't have Haro Master or, Trick, or, yeah. or Trickstar money, right? We had FST money. But my dad bought me... My dad took me to... Albies and he bought me a pair of Haro leathers. Nice. I thought I was king dingling. I don't remember what I wore for a t-shirt, right? I probably wore like a Haro shirt or some kind of shit. Right. But I did my routine. The dude looks like a lady. I was in beginner class. But I still have the zine. Remember when everybody was doing those oh, little yeah. zines? Had, I had the zine. We had a freestyle zine. That, yeah, so I have, I have my name in one of those zines. I still have somewhere I have one of the you had a mean zine? It's, it's called Megazine. 
Oh, so because I had a mean zine that I yep, did. It was a mega. We wrote like the Great Lakes Freestyle magazine. And oh, I get a, it. The play yep. on words. The, play on the words magazine. The yep. magazine. Let me see if I can find. I had. I, I'll put these pictures up on uh, on my feed because we're we're talking about this stuff. But I, like, I'll send these two to you as well. I think I told you a couple of weeks ago. I, I kind of went through. You know, we had a house fire, and I, I moved away and moved back, and so I lost a lot of the stuff that I have. Um, in in the in those transitional things like you were saying you know it's 30 it's so many 30 what do we say 37 years no 33 years 33 right, years yep. yeah of 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 just stuff right yep. and so i've got i one of the things that i still have that i don't know how i preserved it but i was able to preserve it and i still have all, all my stickers nice like i have endless amounts of i have endless amounts of um there I found. There's my club homeboy stuff that I found. Oh, right on. That's awesome. And then I know loft scene. The loft, the official lofter jive. I'm homeboy number fifty four seventy five. Nice. I don't have my card anymore. What's mine? Uh, oh yeah, this expiration date is uh, sooner or later. But uh, three, three zero one five. Here's one of my here's one of my uh, flyers for our Team X team. Oh wow. Bookings call right. Albie's on there. Yeah, we were sponsored by. I was, look at that. Oh yeah. So that is. I wanted to talk That's to you. That's the hazard that. logo right there. Yeah, I wanted we to talk to you there. about that because that in that envelope is something extremely, extremely cool. It is. Um, so the year, the last year I was at Woodward. You mm -hmm. were you were the curator of the BMX program, were you not? Yep, I, mean, I was how, the program so director. Program yeah. director, right? So yep. you had Trey Leaper there. Yep, Trey, yeah. Chris Dauchy was there. Yep. Um, Chris Dauchy was there for a minute while I was there because I was there, like, pretty much all summer. I had gotten a job as a junior counselor because that's the only way I could afford to go right. that year. So I flew there. I, I, I saved up enough money to fly there and take my bike. I thought I was a baller. I remember I had a brand-new Walkman, <laughs> cassette Walkman, right? Big, yeah, big block. Yeah, the big block. Yeah. And I thought I was king dangling. I had that, and I bought one of those. Remember the cool-ass bags you could get? The, the box you would buy your bike in would fit Set down in that it. bag? Yep. <clears throat> you could take your bike apart, take the front wheel a off. A flight bag. Yep. Yeah. Well, so I had that, on the, and I flew in a smaller plane because it was just from here to, like, State yeah, College. A little puddle right? jumper. Yeah. Yeah. State so, College. So, yeah, State College, PA, right? Yep. And... Um, I got there and I was a junior counselor, which meant I had to work in the kitchen. So I would get up before all the other counsel, uh, kids mm -hmm. that were campers, and I would work in the kitchen either preparing breakfast. I think you had to pre prepare either breakfast or dinner or one of the two. You mm -hmm. didn't have to work both. But somehow I had ingratiated my way over to you to where you had put me in charge of the bike shop. Bike shop. Yeah, we and needed some of the, the new bike bikes. Shop. Absolutely. I remember and that. It was so... I thought, dude. My room was right next to it. Yes, I remember. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And so I ended up going home that summer with that. And, and ironically enough, I kind of hung I hung things up when I got home, like shortly after that. I was sponsored at that point. I was sponsored by Ozone. Mm -hmm. And I still was with Ozone and Albies. And I was coming to the end of what I had done. I had, I had participated in as many GLF competitions as I could. And done what I thought I was I had moved up to the expert class and I got into cars and you know the rest is history but I look at the arc of my BMX career right so I landed back in Detroit in 86 I was done by the end of the summer in 89 yeah yeah you're good we need to get oh yeah you're fine 
Yeah, no worries. I need to get the like some theme music that just plays like do 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 Hey, if you guys are listening right now, don't forget December 5th and 6th at the RP Funding Center in downtown Lakeland. We are having the Wheels of Seal Indoor Custom Motorcycle Show. Special guest MC Jeff T. Holt, the V-Twin Visionary, is going to be there. We've got 18 builders now up to today. We just added Tom from Thug Custom Cycles. Bill Dodge's new Pandemic bike is going to be in the house. We're excited about that. And listen, this is not an invitation-only show. This is come one, come all. It's only $40 to show your bike in competition. That includes a two-day pass, which would normally cost you $24. So for $16, basically, you are showing your bike in a trophy class. We've got some awesome trophies being painted by Gemini Customs in Bartow, Florida. And don't forget, any bike registered for competition is eligible to win the Best in Show Award this year being designed by Kyle Ray Rice. And I have some excellent news about the Best in Show Award. It is named for, as you know, for my father. It's the Rick Hallman Legacy Award. And this year's winner is going to win a $500 gift card from the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company. And I'm super stoked about that. I wish my dad was here to hear that his Legacy Award is being named after somebody that he considered to be the best in the business and somebody he competed against in competition in the 70s. So uh, go to cfwheelsofsteel.com and check it out and get yourself some tickets. Even if you want to just participate, there's going to be some excellent parties. We have sold out. We have completely sold out of vendor spots. We have a giant 28,000-square-foot room. It's a very nice venue. It's a two-day event this year, not a one-day event. So if you want to come over and stay with us, Get a hold of the Hyatt Hotel in the parking lot of the RP Funding Center. Make sure you tell them you're there with Wheels of Steel, and they're going to give you their $99 room rate. So I hope to see everybody there. It's going to be a fantastic party. We've got a lot of people coming. It's going to be over the moon. So back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> All right, here we are. I've never done a commercial spot like in the middle. It's like just a cold read off the top of my head. I think you did a good job. No, yeah. So I've, I've said it enough. Like I've, I've repeated everything from that show so many times. It's like ingrained in, in my brain, right? Perfect. <laughs> so um, we were talking about just the, the that summer, like that being kind of the end of, of what I had done. And I looked at I was talking to my wife today. I'm like, it's summer of 86. That was really just my introduction to freestyling because Rad had come out. Right, oh, yeah. and I, as soon as I saw Rad, I didn't ever want to go down a, a dirt track again. I was like, "This is the coolest thing I ever saw." That mm -hmm. intro with RL and Eddie Fiola and Martin Aparayo, and um, I think Dave Vanderspeck is actually in that in yeah. in the very front of in the very front of that movie too. Uh, I do believe um, so. he would have been one of your cohorts. He was a Kuhara factory rider, was he not? Didn't he ride factory Kuhara? Was he factory vector? Vanderspeck. Yeah, Vanderspeck. He's cool, Kuhara. He was Kuhara, right? Yeah. So you were on Team Factory Kuhara. Yep. Yeah, that was a sad story. That was something. Um, I remember when that happened because I had my zine that I was publishing. I only did a couple of episodes, but or issues rather, but it was just, it was fun. I right. did that in 89. It is a blast. It's and a good that, outlet. Yeah, and again, it was, you know. Another way we communicated back then, exactly. too. Exactly. You would cut out, like, words like ransom letters and yeah, make yeah, them, you yeah, know, everybody's trying to be, like, how creative they can be. And, I figured out like early that. on, too, that I'd, I'd actually take all my photos and stuff to uh, to a print shop and get it half-toned. What does that mean? Basically, it just basically, it, it turns into the dots, whatever, and then uh, 
Oh, um, okay. Like a half tone kind of thing. And then makes it easier to print. Yeah, to copy. So you go to a copy machine, it's, it looks more like a picture than a blob. See, that, those are the kinds of things that I was trying to, I'm trying to articulate. Like, it, it's okay. So even today, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I came over today and it's the first time I'd seen you in 30 years. And it was like we had never not Missed seen each beat, other, right? right? Yep. And then the first thing you do is you give me a sticker. <laughs> that's right. right that you had because you you live on you live on bennett lake right yep. and so like, you've got, you got this you got this crew of people that orbit around this place that obviously are some great people that party and, and my neighbors and, yeah. and spend time together and yep. break bread and that kind of stuff right and you see so you give me a sticker right yep. well 30 some years ago you figured out i didn't know i i had stickers made too but i went to like um a local print shop mm-hmm. and i bought like paper Right. They had the paper that was like neon colored and they would print a single color thing on it. And it but you put the sticker on something and it would last a week. It depends on the rain got wet. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I have stickers. Rain. I have stickers from Bonehead that are yep. like, and I have a ton of them. So back then I, I uh, actually used Graphics Lab. Um, they're out of, uh, they're out of Indiana. I try to, I try to do as local as possible in anything I do. Everything I do, even to this day, I try to go as local as possible. But uh, so Graphics Lab was then, and right now, um, Sticker Mule. Pretty you use Sticker Mule? Yeah, I use yep. Sticker Mule, too. I use Sticker Giant, Sticker yep. Mule. Yep. Isn't it amazing, like, you? I'm having some, um, we're having, and spoiler alert, we're having some special gifts made for, we have, so the way it works in, in our industry now is mm-hmm. uh, we have these group, I'm, I'm excited to tell you what I'm doing for promotion because, I've totally stole like every idea I can steal from you, every idea I can steal from Jeff Holt, like all these people. And Jeff Holt is somebody that if I could get the two of you in a room together, he has a BMX collection that some of his BMX bikes are worth upwards of $15,000. Like he's got like original Cook Brothers stuff. And, you know, I mean, he's brother racing. He's really like, he's, he's narrowed in on, on like the real small special stuff. Right. He's, and he's got a massive collection, but this we have invited builders right so these dudes what they what we what i learned about promotion early in my motorcycle career was there was a place up in bertron called the bertron expo center mm-hmm. and every year this family that lived that were that they happened to be from uh traverse city mm-hmm. and they would put they were show promoters and they would put a motorcycle show on there and they would charge everybody 25 bucks to get in the door and what you got by getting by paying 25 bucks to get in the door was you got to meet your favorite builders from around the country. Right. Well, then they would charge everybody that wanted to show their bike in competition. I don't remember what it was. I would be lying if I said, but I want to say it was like 50 bucks. You got to show your bike in a trophy class, right? Okay. Well, then they would charge the builders. If you wanted a 10 by 10 booth, it was like $500. If you wanted a 10 by 20, it was like $1,200. If you wanted a 20 by 20, it was, you know, they would basically fuck our socks off. I mean, they were charging everybody to come in. And then you had guys like, uh, they would have like TV builders come in and those guys would get paid thousands of dollars to show up, right? But the guys in the middle, in, in the middle, you know, that were just starting out, we had to pay to get in to sh- You know, we, it, it was just weird. It was, it was a weird, the weird, the weird part weird is it's like you're trying, you're, it's like you're, you're reaching for your wallet and stuff. It's like, I don't even know if I can do this, but you, 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 you don't have know if to. you can do it. Right, you, have you have to do to. it. Yep. Right. And you're taking this big leap of faith. I don't, I don't know how to exactly articulate this, but it's like, um, 
the guys that, that couldn't afford to do it still did it, mm-hmm. right? And it was, it was you you're shutting your shop down so you're not working. You're hoping that someone's going to like you. You're hoping you're going to sell a bike build. You're hoping that what ended up happening was is all of us guys in, in the middle, in the middle area, right? Yep. The guys that built their bikes at their house, they don't give a shit. They cash their check every week from Ford Motor Company or GM or Chrysler. You know, most people right. in, in lower Michigan, that's where they most work guys kind of work, right? Work on it. Yep. right? But they got a really nice motorcycle. They built themselves in their garage. So they're paying their 50 bucks or 100 bucks, whatever it is, to show up for the whole weekend. And, and it's a party for them. Mm-hmm. And then you had the guys at the top that were getting paid to be there. So I'll be honest with you and tell you that I know for a fact some of them dudes didn't give a shit about it. By the time they got to the end of the weekend, they were tired of getting signing autographs, tired of answering questions, tired of doing shots with, you know, but all the dudes in the middle, there was all this, we were all work, trying to working for it. We're all trying to posture that. Well, so what ended up happening was, is we just all ended up forging this brotherhood is the only way I know how to put it with some solid motherfuckers, like dudes that I could call right now, right now and tell them, Hey, I'm in Fenton, Michigan. I'm in trouble. I need somebody right now. And boom, they're here from Missouri. Right they're here from New York. They're here from Florida. They're here from Texas. Like it was like this pressure, right? For yeah. all of us. And we all realized some of us might make it out of this. Some of us might not make it out of this. Some of us might get on TV, which some of us did. I did. I got to be on TV, you know, several times and, you know, and that's a whole nother thing that I can talk about later. But so when we created this show that we're, that we're doing now, I don't, we don't charge the builders. You're a builder. You come in. We're giving you a 10 by 10 spot. Mm-hmm. In that 10 by 10 spot, you can sell hats, stickers, T-shirts, builder merch. All you day know long. what I mean? And, and hang out, party with all of us, get to know people you don't know, get everybody in the same room, break bread. Talk to everybody, gets the, the same opportunity with the customers. If you want a second 10 by 10 to sell your parts you manufacture, we're only going to charge you 200 bucks. Right. right. So now you have a 10 by 20 for 200 bucks. We've negotiated a rate for the hotel for 99 bucks. Like we're trying to like be as low impact as we can and reduce the amount of the cost to get in. And we're gonna we're gonna make our money off the door. We're gonna make our money off the people who want to come right. see you. And so we have I start telling my my friends in in the business, and because all these promoters have cycled out right over the last this five is that to marketing years. part. This is like you know what you build it and they'll come. Yes, so, that was, it was the too hip thing to me. Yeah, and, I, and so I sit down with these people at this nonprofit that this is for. A little off story too. So we we actually had an opportunity to go visit a barn today. My, my buddy Derek, yeah. same exact thing. I was sitting there going like, "Hey, I'm I'm sitting on this. Uh, I need to ID these vehicles." Um, so everybody listen to him. My, my cousin owns this property. He's got, there's, uh, and I'm not going to tell you where it is because there's still some legal stuff we got to take care of, but there's eight classic vehicles in this and we need to find homes. I call my buddy Derek and right. another buddy of mine, strong arm customs. Like you said, he, he builds bikes. So those are the people you can call in, in two seconds. Nice. And he was there. Yeah. Derek didn't think twice. He's like, all right, I'm there. I'll, yeah. I'll help you out. I'll, be right I'll make there. this happen. So then, then like, Circling back around, you start talking about um, the, the cost and whatnot. Uh, it, there's been plenty of times when I had to go to a show or something or go someplace to try to promote something else. And like, you know, you're just pricing people out of it. You're, you're excluding. This, you're, is, a, you're this is a family. An it's a family. Thing. It's a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. I can call these guys in two seconds and, and they're there. So, yep. uh, you know, I, I called Derek. He's like, no problem. I'm there. 
and and that's that's yeah we're taping but i mean it's it's cool honestly that that kind of ambient stuff it's not like i'm not that oh, like, all right no worries yeah no know. anyway so but the but the thing with uh with that the, like when you said the brotherhood and like yeah. the family that that's what it's always been the, back in the day the bmx stuff we did it was all family to me pretty much all family to me well it came through in everything that you did because you didn't there was no teams right you and so i tell people all the time like look i'm on team us yeah. Right. Like I, I don't, I don't want to hear your bullshit about how you don't want to work with this person. Well, okay, then don't. Then don't. Like yeah. stay on the other side of the room. But if you want to be in the room with all of us, you have to be on team us. Right. You know. And so, right now, with the with the the print media is dying. Right. We all know that. I'm like I'm a hat in hand guy. I love my motorcycle magazines. I love my BMX magazines. Right. It's like. I, I was telling you earlier, like all of my BMX magazines got lost in the fire, like end of, like they're just gone, know, they evaporate, insane. right? And I could, dude, I can remember the covers of like the BMX Plus 10th anniversary issue that was all red all the way around. And then all these little pictures of every cover that had been there for 10 years, right? Like, so right. there's 120 pictures on the front. Like, I remember that shit. That's crazy. You know, I Luckily, remember- I still, I still have my box, I should go dig it out when we go through. Oh, and, dude, we should do that. Yeah. But, so- what I'm saying is, is like, it's like a death in the family to me. Losing print media is like a death in the family. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. You know, I wish you well, but we've got to evolve. I, like, I felt the same thing. You, you told know, me the story earlier about like you had that fire and it's gone. I'm like, look, like, look at me right now. I mean, you can't see this, but I got goosebumps on my arm because I understand that. And yeah, it's so visceral, right? When someone yes. tells you something and you're just like, oh, you remember, you know. You you go places. It's like uh, we were talking earlier. Like I believe in karma, right? Mm -hmm. I also I believe in and this is heebie-jeebie stuff. But I believe in every once in a while I'll catch a smell, right? And I'm like, I don't know where it comes from, mm -hmm. and I can't pinpoint it. But like it reminds me of my grandparents' house. My grandparents' house had like this really like unique kind of like odor it doesn't it, <laughs> odor, saying odor sounds bad but no i'm just like oh my god it could, and you it know could be anything it could be like a vanilla scent or it could be a band yeah it could yeah be anything. It, it could be it could be that my grandmother only used powdered tide you know that right, kind of thing right, but right. what i'm getting at is that it takes you somewhere right it transports music, you music does the same thing like music boom i can remember when i heard this song duh, duh, duh. like we were talking earlier about my first uh my first freestyle competition mm-hmm I don't even think I placed in the top 10. We could look it up. I mean, it's in the magazine. Right. Because um, Super uh, Super Super BMX did, covered that event, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember that because James McGraw did a his Flatland on a RL20 mm -hmm. or RL22, and he did a scooter. Scooter routine. run. Remember, he was, he was he known for the scooter. He killed scooter. Well, yes. he's still killing it now. Yes. So James McGraw, big shout out right now if you, Absolutely. you listen to this. He's Flatman12, I think, on Instagram. I'm going to pull that up real quick because yeah, pull it up. It he's is, worth a look. And he's got such an interesting story. And when I have him on, the one thing I'm going to talk to him about is um, I had a um, – before I moved to, te uh, to Florida, I just – you know, the internet was so cool that you could just like – Find somebody that you used to know, right? Yep. I mean, it's the same way I found you. The same Flatman Twelve on Instagram. Yep. He retired from competition, moved back from where he lived. He's in Colorado. Yeah. Well, he moved. He like cut everybody in his whole life off. The like, wham, just 
done. I don't want to talk. I didn't have anything to do with any. Moved right. back home. Like I think he moved back home to his folks even maybe. This is back in 06. Okay. Right? And so he's, and he started riding again. Right? He had stopped riding for a minute, and he stopped started riding again. So this is in 2006. This dude's born in 1970, so he's 50 right now. Mm-hmm. This is in 2006, so he's 36, right? Yeah? yeah. He's 36. He starts riding again. Goes pro again. Mm-hmm. Gets sponsored by London Bikes. Has his own signature shoe. Still runs his tent business. Moves back to Colorado. Starts a family. Has three kids now. And, and he's running the new uh, organization. Yeah, he's running the new AFA, right? Yeah. Yep. I mean. That's incredible. I, and, and big, did, big, shout, dude, big shout out for that. I love hearing it. But it, it doesn't. It, it The thing is, is, it doesn't have to end, but it does have to change. We were talking about it earlier, like we're both getting older. Like we were looking at the VIN numbers. I'm like, I don't have any fucking readers. And you're like, I, I have a pair. I'm I know, like, right? I'll be 55 next week. I have a pair of reading glasses. I, I do, got contacts, yeah. you know. Yeah. I can't even get contacts because I can see far away. Like I can read, I can read all. Well, truth all the be known, here. I have I have two different contacts in. One's for far, one's for near. Right. Well, so I'm not. I'm I'm farsighted, yeah. but I'm not nearsighted. So now everything. Like I have to hold it. I need longer arms. Right. That well, that happened to me when in my forties. <laughs> dude, my buddy, my buddy, uh, Bobby Nathy told me one time. He goes, "Dude, wait till you turn 40. He Your goes, arms not instantly, long enough. instantly. And I swear, when I blew out the birthday candles on my 40th birthday, I. You know what's real pisser, and everybody's gonna relate to this. I remember going back. So I'm 55 tomorrow. So 15 years ago, 40 years old. I, uh, I, I actually went back to school. So I'm. I'm uh, Get my get my degree. I got a degree in network security. Another one in design. Anyway, I, uh, I have a tri- problem at the computer reading the code. Right. Old older guy. He's probably like three or four years older than me. He's like slides down some readers. Put these on. I put these readers on. And I'm like, like it's like a whole new fucking world. It is. Well, anyway, so here's the here's the real pisser. I go to like Walgreens or Rite Aid or someplace. You know, they got the the, the spin turnstile, whatever, yeah. all the reading glasses in it, and it said, you know, stand here, do this. And then they had an age bracket. If you're 40, 40, get this. If you're 43 to 45, get this. And I'm like, what a kick in the pants that is. Are you fucking kidding me right now? So I go back. Like, well, I'm 40, so like this is a 1.2. I put those on. Money. It was perfect. I'm like, okay, now I got readers. Yeah. And, it, and, and I'm forever. I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know the ones that have the magnet in the middle? Oh, yeah. And they go like that. I right? actually have a pair of those. Do you have a pair? I'm yeah, still fighting. And my daughter's like, you got to get a pair of these. I'm like, do yeah, they're they're, they're actually right over there. I, you can, you sure can, you can take them with you. you I'm sure they're you. amazing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I, have, I, have, I have a pair of clear ones that make me look like I'm going to go play racquetball when I have mine. I'm like, I don't even wear them anymore. But yeah, but I, going back to my first competition, I remember the the song was "Dude Looks Like a Lady." Dude looks like so a when it was going like a hip. You know how that song starts out? Ding 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 ding. Well, I remember rolling out there and the, yeah, yeah, dude looks like a lady. And so. It's just funny how you re- remember that stuff, and then, like, uh, getting the magazine, and then you'd go to like Rockville BMX, and you'd look at see what they had on sale, right? Right. Or you'd buy your vans from Rockville because where I, where I was at, I, did, I didn't know where I could buy vans at in Detroit. That you know, well, there mean? was like, hardly any place you actually send them back in the day. You could and they're actually, made in the USA, and they're yeah, coming like yep. that. You know what vans don't have today that they had back then? Remember the the insoles, and then there was this little vinyl piece at the back that was just big enough for your heel. Yeah, and it would say in, in it was white, and then black lettering. It would say vans, and it would say made in the USA. Right. 
There was uh, there was a couple different iterations. It was like off the wall. Yep. Uh, Van Dorn Rubber Company. Yep. And then a couple other ones. There was uh, yeah, that's that's how you you would. You could go to there was there was every once in a while there would be like a I think there was Town and Country, uh, or D and D in Northville had vans. I pulled I pulled this up, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play this video because you can at least hear the music. This is what I played at the AFA Masters. Is it gonna be a commercial? Is that the 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 song? It is. Yeah, you only be able to play like a second. Listen. There's that beat. It was all timed out. And you had it. You you, you had your routine like figured yep. out. Perfect. Every beat. And it starts popping up, and it just moved. This song actually helped me progress my routine. Yeah, and, and, and you would you would play that song over and over and over. I know and that over song. And over right. You, know you said it. We said, "Dude looks like a lady," and you you you, you felt that that, yeah. that music. Yep. Dude looks like so. You knew exactly what was gonna happen. You knew what you're supposed to do. Like I remember writing out my tricks. Like, did you ever did you ever make it's a like list? A set list. Did, well, yeah, but did you ever make a list of the tricks you could do? Um, actually, no, I have never done that. So. I found I have a list at my house somewhere the, the, that I've to, written down like the to, tricks you need I could to copy do, that and, post that. and then the the tricks that I wanted to learn. Right. Oh, yeah. So there was. Do you, did you ever meet John Brothers? Do you remember John Brothers? Oh yes. Very yes. articulate. He, yes. he 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 still to this day he's a police officer. Glasses right. Yep. Yep. And he would wear like the basketball yeah. glasses. Yes. Okay. He had. Uh, he purchased brand new a violet or lavender. Trickstar still has it. Purchased brand new an anodized red quad angle. Still has it. Wow. Purchased brand new a Team Harrow Master in gray. Remember those? You yes. don't remember those? So in 87, you could get a Team Harrow Master in gray. His frame cracked, so he sent it back. Mm -hmm. He didn't get a gray one back. He got a mint one back. They wouldn't. They stopped producing the gray ones. So, oh, are you kidding me? I would no, be livid. He still has all three of his his bikes. Wow. And they're mint. That's insane. He he he's the one that taught me how to do. He taught me how to do a uh, a, a decade. Oh. He we were in I the love basement. Decades. You know the crazy thing is I had the hardest time learning a double decade. I don't know why. So but this is uh this is the Haro Master. So that would have been eighty seven, right? And so the Haro team the Haro Team Master in Gray. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I do remember. So this. the Haro Team Master yeah. in Gray. This is like this is like a like a like a ghost. They are, yeah, they're like it's like gold chicken teeth. Yeah, absolutely. Rocking horse shit. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful bike. He, he cracked his frame. And uh, when let me he guess, was it at the neck? I believe it was at the neck. And yep. when he when he sent it back, they sent him back. Um, they sent him back. This is the other color that was uh, like, like you couldn't you couldn't get after a while. Oh, the neon neon yellow neon yellow. Yeah. So they ended up sending him back. What he got back from them was uh, the if you remember the like the mint green yep. colorway. Yep. So. He he, and he still has all of those, dude. That's awesome. Isn't that's, that cool? Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, that dude was I wish super I, I, I wish should go back. Like a lot of people that anybody in the industry right now, or, or actually like 
our age, yeah, that, that biked back then, which we could have those our bikes. era, our era, our era, yeah, era, aura, era, right. So the 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 bikes that Chris and I and and we went through, I mean, it was one of those things where very surreal, right? I'd have I'd have like five boxes of Peregrine forty eights in my in my like weight the standby the hps are the pros hp hp pros remember the hp pros had the axle that yep. would bend real yep. easy oh actually no we didn't have those and the hps didn't bend because the hp pros had a hollow axle and the hp the hp pros had a hollow axle that would break right. josh used to break the axles all the time in those really and the hp pros were chrome plated so the standard hps had so a we had, suzu we hub were, right. and they were like a, an alloy color and that's yeah. what i had on my bike this is the alloy color. We, By the time the I was done riding, my bike was so finely tuned that I could do anything. I could literally do anything I wanted to on it. Like I had figured out, I had ridden enough hours. It's a 10,000 hour rule, right? Mm -hmm. 10,000 hours. I, I couldn't have put 10,000 hours. I could have maybe. I mean, we just, all we did was ride, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was it. You'd get up in the morning. Like I was not a sleep all day guy. Like Josh and Todd, those dudes would sleep till <laughs> noon every day. Well, by the time... I was riding for four or five hours, but you couldn't sleep in my house. My parents were like, no, you're out, you're out, get so out of the fucking my house. house. So in the parking lot that we rode at was across the street from my house. So shit, eight thirty, nine o'clock, seven thirty, eight o'clock, whatever. I'm out there riding. By the time those dudes got up and got around and got themselves figured out and we're at the, we're at the, at the parking lot. I was already, I'd already been riding for three or four hours. So, and I wasn't as talented as they were. Like, I had to work harder than those dudes. But by the time I was done with, when I hung up my BMX bike, if a new trick came out and I wanted to do it, I could learn it. There you, you know? go. You know, and then you had dudes that came out like uh, Kevin Jones that totally changed everything. Kevin Jones is an amazing did. rider all around. He's, he's, he's an amazing dude. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've tried to, like, reach out to him. I've tried to, like, like you know, not... I think at this point in time, and I'm 47, right? He's probably 50. That it's not a fanboy thing. It's like, hey, look, we did this. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is a real thing. This is a real deal. And uh, you know, he's somebody that I would I would like to sit down with because I never did prior to. Because right. there, there was dudes that were. Do you remember? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some names. Okay, right. I'm gonna see if you remember Danny Meng. Yes. Okay. Yes. Ozone. Uh, Perry Mervar. Yeah, absolutely, Perry Mervar. Yeah. So those two dudes were. He's tight. like, he's like, like clean cut, like. Perry Mervar was. Pusher. He was so fun, and he yep. did. He was the scrub trick guy. Scrub, he was. Scrub, he scrub. was very much in the same vein as Kevin Jones. Yes. But he was more scrub, like with the two these tricks. And Danny Meng was that smooth, smooth, precise. He was ozone. He rode the same ozone I did. Yep. He rode. We were both on. We didn't have any. He came to the Great Lakes Freestyle. They both came to the Great Lakes Freestyle event, and I lost my tape. I had all those things taped. Oh, my god! And I let my neighbor kid borrow because he wanted to get into freestyle. I was like, oh, right. check it out. Well, I had all my Team X um, demonstrations. I recorded all those. So I had oh. me, Todd, Josh, and Norman riding, uh, even with Rob Wolkowiak, riding in this gymnasium at this school doing these Say No to Drug shows. I was the MC. <laughs> Again, I was never the strong. I was never the strongest rider on all. So those here's dudes. here's the thing too. Like same thing with like uh, like Chris. Talk about self promotion and, and getting out there and getting the name and being 
the voice. Chris is kind of a quiet guy. I remember that. Super quiet guy. But nice. But he was always nice to me. Dude. Super nice. Super. I'm not taking that away from him. But it, you know, when it came out to like sit and say something, he was always super talented. Way more talented than I was. Way more talented. I, I could go back and say, like, think up a trick. Because back then you. Oh, you had to. Yeah, you had to. You had to. There was a lot of people that were copying the stuff that w- we were doing, and we're trying to learn new stuff. So it's like. And that's where, again, um, Bill Newman. Yes. Same thing. Booming Bill he Newman. Just, yep, Bill Newman. You know, he just started riding again about three years ago. Yes. He came yep. out of hiding oh, yeah. and started going to those Albies indoor deals. Yep. So when you talk about yourself, too, the same thing, we're in the same boat. We're in the same boat on this because I, I, I could think of a cool trick. It would take me a month to figure it out. He would have it in probably three days. Dialed. Dialed. Do you do you ever watch like do you ever you're, you're flipping the channel right you're, yep. you're on YouTube whatever and it comes up in your feed and you watch these kids ride and you're like what the fuck they're doing stuff oh, that we would kid around did about. Did you like, see this video recently? This guy in this uh, in a gazebo or a, a camp like a he does a bunny hop and flips his bike so his bike does a yes, 360 and lands it under him. How about Unreal. the kid who does the wheel off and then the wheel back on? Have you seen that? I have not seen that. That's this is disgusting. The kid's crazy. riding. He, he's riding. The wheel comes off, right? The front wheel comes off while he's still oh, riding. Oh, he's doing he a wheel. Yeah, and, and he just sets bloop, it back down. Sets it back down on it. Yeah. No brakes on the bikes. I mean, the bikes are totally different too. I guess um, from an engineering standpoint, the geometry is like way different. Like I started reading, like I was going to buy a bike, you know, just right. to, just to have really, and I was like, oh, they're re-releasing the the master, and like, well. It looks like the master from the eighties, but it's not. It's like got completely different. The geometry had changed. Yeah, the geometry yes. changed in there. And I was talking to somebody about. It. I'm like, you know, it was, it was like on one of them forums, and I'm like, well, what's the deal? Like, if I could do a tail whip back then, why couldn't I do a tail whip now? Like, I, once I learned it, right? Once I right. relearned it, got that muscle muscle memory back, right? And they're like, well, no one had an answer for me. I'm like, you know, in, in my head. Well, so by the t- like I said, by the time I quit, like all of the what I would consider uh, rudiments, right? So you had to be able to do multiple tail whips rolling. Mm-hmm. I could do I could do those forever. Rolling tricks. I could like- do seven or eight rolling tail whips, no problem. Land it smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, hang nothing. I could hang nothing as long as I had forward momentum. It was uh, it was nothing, right? Yep. I could cross my legs. I could do all, all that shit. Surf. I could surf in. Till Christ called the Jews home. I mean, just <laughs> if I got on a down downhill slope, I oh could yeah, we surf going until days you know? long. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, Rollades. I didn't like them because I didn't. I I could do them. I was proficient at them. But if you do an, if you do ten of them, you're gonna fucking eat shit on one of them. At one, and exactly. when you eat shit on a rollade, you're eating shit. Nothing's right? good about that. There was a couple of tricks that static trips that ch- tricks that always kicked my ass. Um, Miami Hopper or Miami uh, Miami. Yeah, my yeah, my hopper, hopper. Yeah. kicked my ass, and a cherry picker kicked my ass. Those two tricks kicked my ass. I couldn't that's, do them. That's crazy. No, no, no matter how long I tried, like. But again, <laughs> here's the deal. You until unless you watched the intro to Rad, right? You didn't have any video evidence on how to put a trick together until '87. When uh, do you remember when? So let me back up. In 86, there was a VHS company that produced a tape and it had the shittiest soundtrack in the world, but it was the AFA Freestyle, uh, the AFA uh, 
one of the AFA events, and I want to say it was Columbus. Dominguez was still on Hutch. That's how long ago it was. Oh, wow. Dominguez was on Hutch. Itzen was on Hutch. And those two dudes, that was it. McCoy was was not on there. He Most everybody expert. remembers Mike from Diamondback, for sure. Oh, sure, because that's... But, well, and and Itzen ended up going to Diamondback for a minute, too, if you remember correctly. Mm-hmm. He left. But those di- in, in before that, Dominguez was on a Haro. Wow. Do you remember those days? That's uh, so 82, that was, 83, that was earlier. 84. That was earlier on, early on for me, for sure. That's like when I was basically started. So I was well, racing right, right out of high school. But I didn't 84. know how to, you didn't know how to like get the trick to the position that you're in. So you nope. put, so what I would do is get myself in the position that the photograph was in and, and do like a maze backwards, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I would get myself reverse in that, engineering. Yeah. I would get that myself in that Miami hopper position and try to pull pull out of it and, and land it. But I, I could never get it to where I could do, I could get it down. You know, the downside, get upside up. downside of that trick is basically if you didn't have a solid set of rims on that, like the Miami hopper itself. Yeah. So you, you're like, you're going to hop gonna on hop, it. Yeah. I, you I, I blew out for a, sure. I blew out a set of Z wheels doing that. Oh yeah. That's, that's a, a the yeah. Z rims, the 36 spoke Z well, rims. Especially in Michigan unit, it's like January and you're in, a, <laughs> yeah, you're in you're the garage and it's like 20 degrees. Yeah, how about that? How about riding in the Midwest? Like we oh, were we were fortunate. It's horrible. Josh Evans' uh, dad, when his parents split, his da- and I don't know if Josh's dad is still alive, but I will tell you this. That man was the most wonderful, one of the most wonderful men I ever met in my whole life. Um, he drove me, for us to go to Albies was an hour one way. Right. I remember when I got my ozone, Josh's dad offered to drive me. He drove me all the way to Albies to get my ozone. I remember riding in the back of his dad did flooring. I remember riding in the back of his dad's flooring with buckets and stuff with and this tools. Gi- yeah, in this giant ozone box. And I remember my parents sitting me down because I was, I was. It, it was in '89. I wasn't. It was spring break time, so it was still cold. I hadn't. Uh, I had been working. I'd worked at Dairy Queen for like two years, saved up money. And my parents were like, are you sure you want to buy another bike? Like, you're going to have a driver's license soon. Like, you're going to be 16. You want another bike? I'm like, yeah, I want another bike. I'm going to keep riding. My In my head, I was like, I'm going to get this bike. I'm going to get this car. And I'm going to get my grad. I'm going to get my diploma. And I'm going to Huntington Beach because I want to. Yeah. Because all we got were those videos, right? So I had that video of the AFA and then Haro. Remember when Haro produced that professional video with the sunset mm-hmm. out on the pier? Do you remember that? And they had Haro. Haro had shorts. Haro had. Yeah, they had. They, dude, they, they were exploding at that point. They were, and then I think Bob sold it right after that. I mean, how that dude? If if that dude isn't a millionaire right now, I I, I would be amazed. You know, does he do? Uh, do you know what his what he does now? Um, actually, he's kind of back. I think he's back in. I don't know. I've been kind of like following a couple of things on social media, but I have you ever heard of the company Moose? They no. do like outdoor, like look like ATV stuff. Oh yes, yes. He's the graphics design. He's he's the Moose graphics designer. Oh, you you all the be able to tell. Yeah, he does all the intellectual property for them. Well, that is amazing because you can definitely tell his style. Yeah, for, he's for got drawing. his own style, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so he's somebody that I would I would love to. to That's actually a pretty important part of this whole thing when you start talking about. What we were doing back then, the yeah. style. Yes. Because there was like, so we could go back and, correct me if I'm wrong, or if you ever seen, you know, like, yes or no, 
you could roll up on a group of people and you can tell who's riding. Not even be able to see who it is, yep. but just what they were doing, how smooth they are. Yeah. Like, blither on a ramp. That's you blither on a ramp. There's nobody. Smooth. End of. That's, like, I give, I give goat, I give the goat privilege to, to Matt Hoffman. Yeah. Oh, I don't sure. think anybody. Okay. So Matt Hoffman to me is the Mike Tyson of, of, of freestyle ramp. Like sure. Mira was infinitely talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blyther though, Smooth. no one, no one. Do you remember when he was on TV on ABC and we all sat around watching him do that, that, uh, see how high he could get that, right. that, that set the world Guinness. He was on Guinness, yep, Guinness. right? Yep. And do you remember how smooth Blyther could do stuff? I remember I was talking to him one time and he said, I goes, how is it that you, you could probably ride on a, a half pipe that was a foot wide? If you think about it. Yeah, because he would ride, go up while go Wilkerson would do a 540 under oh, him. Yeah, he would do like, you know, on On, on a ramp that was 10 feet wide on the back of that tra- trailer. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it was That's fearless. Right. Blyther would just go up and do the biggest. He would, he would just air and get all tweaked out and then come down almost in a straight line. So like if he had dust on his tires and it was a brand new ramp, brand, brand new ramp there would be like one set of tracks. Yeah. Because he'd come down in the exact same line. Yeah. I remember I remember noticing it so so long ago, and I, I talked to people about it all the time. They're like, wow. You're right. Exactly so you right. had guys. So so, I think that uh, the greatest freestyler of all time. This this here's my list. Since we're here and, and we're, we've talked about this, you say Dennis McCoy. Yep. Then we're good. We're good. Yep. High five. Dennis McCoy is the greatest. We're in agreement. The single greatest freestyle pro of all time. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's just go. I think if you're if you're gonna create if you're gonna create like a top ten list of the greatest pros of all time. I'm going to put uh, Dennis there. Absolutely. And then in no other, I'm not going to put anybody else in order. Okay. I'm just going to give you some names, right? Eddie Fiola. Yeah. I'm going to put him. Pipeline. I'm going to put him in the top 10 of all time. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Hoffman in Hoffman's in a class by himself because this is a guy that never really put any effort towards flatland. Although he did some street stuff in the early Mm nineties, but he's just, he's the goat. Right, I'm gonna put Moliterno in. I'm gonna put Moliterno in my personal top ten because that was that growing up. That was that was my oh, Rick, Rick, my hero. He uh, he did a lot of good stuff. Woody Itson. I'm gonna I'm gonna put what I think Woody. If we're we're not gonna give any specific like order, I'm gonna put him in the top five all time, mm-hmm. like in the Hall of Fame kind of stuff. Right, right. Um, I'm only talking freestyle too, right? right? So Mira, oh Dave Mira, dear Mira has to. He, has to so that there. dude had like a complete natural. It was to, that to dude him was he was supposed to be on a bike. He was supposed to be on yeah, ramp. Absolutely. It was just what he was supposed to it do. Was, it was a natural, a hundred percent natural at everything. Um, Kevin Jones mm-hmm. has to be in there. Um. Again, like I've talked about, even with music and stuff, we, you and I were talking earlier about, like, you know, how Detroit has like this black mark against it. It's like if you're from Detroit, you have this other thing that you have to you have to overcome. But Bill Newman has to be in my top ten, and I have to put James McGraw there too because he's still doing it. Like, there's nobody that's still doing it like he's doing it. Right. McCoy still rides, mm-hmm. Hoffman still rides, but they ride because they have to. Like I think those dudes, 
ride because they have to. I think, like, metaphysically, if they don't, that's what they have. They don't have anything else, right? But, but, but Dennis McCoy broke down so many barriers. I mean, he was the one that got picked up by Mickey Conti, and he had an endorsement deal from Adidas. I started buying Adidas because fucking Dennis McCoy. McCoy wore it, right? That's right. You know? Um, I, there's, there's, there's so many things that like are so important. Ron Wilkerson I, is you know the, absolutely I, top I have, five. I, I have a story for you. I'm going to interrupt real quick. Cause this is a, what my, oh, you're Den- not interrupting. That's what my, we're my, my Dennis Bullshit. McCoy stories. Um, so I work at FCA. I've been in automotive all my life. So Fiat Chrysler automobiles. Um, so the, uh, McCoy is, ha- has his team and they, they, they get a uh, deal with Fiat. So they got this checkered Fiat that's going around. They're doing, they're sponsoring their little tour. So they bring the, the riders, they do a video to our building. So mind you, this is like a, a huge the headquarters for FCA down in Auburn Hills, Michigan. And so my, my uh, and I know that I know they're there. My boss, um, Ken James, he's like, he goes, yeah, let's go check this out. And, and I'm standing around the area with like, there's 10,000 people in that building. And they're all kind of like coming out, like watching this little show going on. I'm like, holy fuck, that's Dennis McCoy. So I'm like, let's, let's go meet Dennis. He's like, you don't know him. And then, and so I'm like, hey, let's, well, let's go. So I kind of pull him down there. We kind of work, work our way down there. And I look up and I just put my hand up like, hey, and he's like, flowers, what's going on? It's been, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, so we had this little conversation and uh, Dennis has been, he's done shows at Auburn Hills, like all the shows and like for outside of the normal bike shows, but they did the, uh, the Swatch Impact Tour with uh, and that whole crew of guys were there too. So. Well, so what I mean when I say they have to ride is that I think that I think the day that Matt Hoffman stops riding, I feel like that's that's you know that I I, I look at him as is such a fragile even though he's broken everything, but that's why I see him as fragile. Like I I don't think I I think he's kind of one of these broken damaged toys, like a broken toy. Does that make any sense to um, you at all? Um, I guess in a way it does, but I don't. I don't see that. It's kind of like, it's like a wild stallion, right? Yeah. It's going to be a wild stallion. You don't break his wild stallion. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, these guys, that's what they do. They ride. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. So that's what Dennis so, McCoy does. So he you're, rides. What you're, what you're like, saying, like me, I'm able to go like, oh, yeah, you know, that was a part of my past. And I borrow from that. And I'm I'm trying to do this stuff over here. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Where like, Dennis McCoy gets up and he's like, I got to ride. Mm-hmm. Like, every day, Dennis McCoy has to ride. I, I know He's 50 that. now as well. He's that. a year older than you, or, or he's a couple years younger than you. But I think he was born in 69. Dennis McCoy was. And yep. so what I'm saying is, is like, this is what he does. Oh, absolutely. So, I understand you know, that. like Todd Lyons runs SEBMX, mm-hmm. but he's Todd fucking Lyons. Like that right. dude is, he's Todd Lyons. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And RL Osborne has owned a flooring company for the last 25 years, but he's starting to ride again now. So people are paying attention to that because it's fucking RL Osborne, but Dennis McCoy's never stopped. Matt Hoffman never, never they don't stopped. know what to do. Like, you know, they don't know. Yeah. What they, that, that's what, that's all. I they just, I Rick Moliterno that. runs Standard Bike Company, right? Mm-hmm. That's the, and, But he still rides, but he took a year off because he got hurt. And all these dudes have had to do that. But even Moliterno doesn't, doesn't have to ride. Like, to him, his identity isn't only that he's a BMXer. Right, no, he's, you know? he's well-rounded. But, but, but Matt Hoffman is, is fucking Matt Hoffman. He's a god. Right. And, you know, so that's why, like, I, I, I'm... I'm thankful to have had the, the moment that I had with him. There's no way he remembers eating dinner at my house. There's fucking no way. I could show him the picture of him sitting at my table, and he's going to go, ah. 
<laughs> you know, remember. I don't remember that, right? right? But I remember that. That is such a a, a pivotal point in in my life. Mike Dominguez, got to yeah. be top five, if not top five, top ten, right? Yeah, there was Martin, a you know everybody you talk about right now. Oh yeah, Martin Aparejo. So you're talking. There was actually a, um, the Dream Team back in the day, and you pretty much described everybody that's that's in there. Uh, well, including Kevin Jones, which he wasn't then, but he should be absolutely. And you have dudes like that. What, you know, there, there's eras, right? So there's like pre-rolling tricks. Mm -hmm. Once Kevin Jones blew everybody's fucking mind. And oh, I remember Skyway, that video. Skyway couldn't wait. He was on, that, he was on that, that, that uh, one of the streets that was probably Remember the, close the to shit York? bikes that those dudes rode? Oh, yeah. Tanks. Those dudes rode junk. Before they were sponsored, mm -hmm. they rode junk. And me and Lungmuster uh, were on the same team. We're both on RevCore. You know, and the, that bike was, I RevCore's not around anymore. And if you have a RevCore freestyler, DM me because I want to buy it. But there were junk. There was a whore, <laughs> the geometry on that bike, it had like a 28 degree neck or something. It was like, the, steer, the steering, it was short wheelbase. The steering was too fast. It had a knurled top tube. It right, took all yeah. the skin off my fucking legs. <laughs> it was, everything about it was clunky and weird and it was heavy, but it's it's a cool bike. And they made great, like Charles Townsend rode and did really well on their on their Pro XL stuff on the BMX right. side of things. But me and and Mark uh, Mark Lungmuster uh, from the Plywood Hoods, we were both, we both rode RevCore. And um, you had Kevin Jones, and then you had all these other dudes. I'm trying to remember, was it one of your dudes uh, that you were talking about earlier? One of the didn't Kuahara pick up one of the hoods, the plywood hoods? There was a guy. I'm trying to remember what his name was, but he was like this. Those guys were so good that even the guys that were peripheral in their got crew sponsored. got sponsored, and they were good. You know, you got to you got to take good. that. <laughs> no, like, uh, well, Large Ray. I'm trying to think if there was uh, who the other dude was. There was like four or five dudes. Right. There's Mark there Eaton. There was some. There was Kevin Jones. Um, uh, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember all of their names, but those dudes came on the scene again. Like, Jingle head? Uh, uh, now I'm gonna. I'm just gonna Google it because I know you'll be able to. Oh, I, I know we'll be able to Google the plywood he, hoods. Oh, who I the, think he. Uh, I think he signed that shirt too. Shinglehead did. And then there's, you know, you know what's funny is I put, um, I put. I think it, I think you got him right here. Hold on. Dorkin in York. That was that video that came out that got all those is dudes. That, is that his name right there? Ah, uh, I don't know, Jim. I don't know. I'll have to look. And I'm, I'm looking right now. It, it's. I'm trying to think of it too. The hoods. I know, I know he signed this. Brett show. Downs, Mike Daly, Brian Peters. Uh, plywood hoods after a while. There was uh, yeah, Kevin, signed right here. Mark Eaton, right? Yep. Mark yes, Eaton, for, Mark for sure. Yep. Kevin Jones, yep. Jamie McCulloch. But all these dudes, I know some of these people are, are yeah. that were that are listening to us right now are going, like, What are you talking about? But all these names, so right. the plywood hoods were when they came, they came out of kind of nowhere, they had their own like. And what's funny is Mark Eaton is a videographer. That's what he does for a living. Yeah. He does really killer. I've lost videos. his listen to some of his sets. He's a good DJ. Is he? Yeah, yeah, I know he does some DJ stuff, mm -hmm. stuff too. But um, when you're when you're trying to put your 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 top your top ten list together, it shows you again how small that circle is, yeah. and how if you look at everything through a Venn diagram, how intersected all of us are. And the same thing happens in the motorcycle industry. You know what I've always said? 
without old school, there'd be no new school. Yeah, right. That's a that's a good point. Yep. That's a very good point. And so, w- going back to like what I was talking about, like where you're you're writing on the tricks you kind of you can mm-hmm. do and you want to do. And by the time I hung things up, I could do all the tricks I wanted to do. And I think that was that was that was all I had to put did it. That, did that feel like? That. Did that honestly? Did that feel like? Uh, it's more of like it's kind of an accomplishment. It's it wasn't. To me, when I put my bike in the car, it wasn't the end for me. It was the end to comp- for competition. When I watched Halfman do his backflip air, and, and I'm like, you know what? I'm okay. I'm okay with this. It's funny that you say okay. So two podcasts ago, I sat down with a dude that owns an action sports company called Poor Star. Right. And he talked Poor about- Poor or porn? Come on. Poor. <laughs> I got <laughs> he you. He talked about being okay. Yeah. He's like, I'm okay. Yes. Like, like- and, and it's okay being okay. It's okay putting something up. It's okay putting it away on your terms, right? Yep. And that's what I'm Absolutely. talking about. Like guys like McCoy and Matt Hoffman won't be okay in my, I fear, until they decide I'm... that they're going to be okay. You know, that, that, that being okay is a decision that you make. Like I can say, hey, man, why are you upset? You're okay. Everything's, you're okay. Like, calm down. You're okay. Right. To right? come on your own terms. Okay. To you say. understand what I'm saying by yeah. okay? And yeah. what I mean by Matt and Dennis, I'm, I'm not disparaging them at all or saying that they're No, I understand that. I understand. What I'm saying, we're all broken toys, right? We right. like doing weird shit for, for entertainment. But you can't tell somebody they're okay and, and have them, they don't have to accept that. Right. You know, you're like, man, what's wrong, dude? You're okay. Are you, you know, but you being okay with putting your bike in the car the last time, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't remember exactly the last time I rode. But I can tell you how I felt. I can mm-hmm. remember putting my bike in the basement. And I remember, like I said, it sat there for a while. And then Josh Evans, you know, comes and knocks on the door and says, hey, sell me your bike. And do I regret it? Yeah, but you know why I regret it? Because I would like to have that thing hanging up in my shop right now. Right. But I did that. I got the T-shirt. I was in the mix. I can prove it. I have a fucking picture on my phone right now of the Team Haro sitting at my table for dinner. So... There's no bullshit there, right? I know what Zero. I did, right? And so I learned from you and and took what I learned from you about promoting and stuff. And mm-hmm. I've parlayed that into everything else that I've done except for the times that I worked for other people because I spent nine years trying to convince myself that I was okay. And it wasn't until I pulled myself out of that and said, you know what? It's okay to not be all right. Yeah. It's okay to not be okay as long as you're okay with it. And I've... I have never had since since I left the bike business or left the car business going to the bike business. I've never had a guaranteed paycheck, not one week. Right. I've never known where my next meal is coming from. I never know where my next customer is coming from. I have had to gratuitously self-promote myself for 18 years mm-hmm. and 100% of what I gave me the fucking ability to do that is because I knew you when I was fucking 14. Dude, that's How cool awesome. Is that? That's fucking awesome, dude. So, and it's just, it I'd hug you right now if we were across the table. But right. Yeah. But I mean, 33 years later, I can say that because, and, and so that's why it was so important for me to have you on the podcast so that everybody that hears me talk all my crazy shit and all the things I've done. And they, you know, there's some people that listen to this and they probably think I'm crazy. And there's some people that listen to this and they're like, fuck, man, I've, I've been there. I understand that. And at least somebody knows now why I do what I do. Right. And it'll allow me to bring more people on here that, know know me because of how you know me but you're just you know you were the first mentor i ever had that taught me 
without even knowing that that's what you're doing. You taught me to go out and get my own stickers, make my own flyers, get insurance, get it done, find a way, look through the woods, and see where you wanted to be and be get there. it. And if I had not met you when I was 14 or 15 years old, I, I can't say I can't honestly say that I'd be okay with what I'm doing or that I would be doing what I'm doing right now. That's what well, that I, I take that as a great honor. You said that I appreciate that. Um, I'm humbled. And you're still doing it today. You still promote all kinds of people. I do. And you know, you are you are the arbiter of. Uh, so what is the what is the organization on this? That's a uh, USASA. The USASA. United okay. States America Snowboard and Free Scout Freestyle Free Ski Organization. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I run the events in Michigan now for uh, free ski and snowboarding in Michigan, and then uh, every year we have a nationals out in Copper, Colorado. Right. And. Uh, I just got last year. Well, last year we had canceled because of COVID. It actually was this year, 2020, in uh, April. Um, we canceled nationals, which is a tragedy. year before that, they promoted me to the head TS, which is technical supervisor. And what I do out there is uh, just make sure all the events are going on between slope style, half pipe, rail jam, slalom, GS. Um, and, and we have a TS technical supervisor for each event. And, and I just make sure that everybody has what they need. To get with you know if, if i can solve a problem i will they have a problem with uh, uh like a rule whatever something happened i'm there to fix it and i've been doing it for so many years i've been doing that for like last seeing uh, probably 18 years and, and they fly me out and, and i do what i do and it's my vacation and, I, and i'm out there doing what i love to do so you, you start thinking about cost for life right you think of like, what does it cost you? It's like, this is my time. It doesn't cost me anything. I give my time, my time to anybody that wants to learn something is always free. It doesn't matter to me. So if I know something and I can pass that on, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I, I, I don't think I've actually changed. No, you're exactly who I met when I was, when I was a kid. We were on the, we were in the car on the way back over to the house here. And uh, I, I remember like shoving your arms like, I can't believe you're in my car right now. It's very serendipitous. Very serendipitous. And it's absolutely, it's just, I, you know, it's it's just, I, I you know, I, sometimes I have to pinch myself and and tell my wife like, you know, we live an amazing fucking life. Like we are extracting every bit of juice out of that orange just to, you know, arrive at wherever the end may be. Right. The end may be tomorrow. It could be tonight. It could be twenty years from now. It could be. 30 years from now, right? You don't know. You don't know. You don't know, and it's, and it's okay. I don't want to know. Because um, I heard something this week that really, really struck me, and it's gonna, it's, this is going to stay with me for the rest of my life. This is going to be very important to me for the rest of my life, that the future is the last thing you run out of. That's exactly right. That's and so, you know, I'm going to continue to do as many podcasts as I can and try to get as many, in front of as many people as I can and try to uh, – fill as many people's buckets as I can, especially the people that, that help me create a bucket. And you're one of those dudes that I go back to it. I mean, you putting me in charge of the bike shop at Woodward, when I tell people that I, I told somebody that one time and just uh, wasn't bragging. I was just telling them, yeah, well, I was in, I was in Woodward in 89 and mm -hmm. I was in Woodward 87, 88, 89. And, and I got to teach people freestyle flatland in while I was there. And I got, you know, it's the story of my life that I'm never the dude on the marquee. I've never been. I've never been the, the head dude. But 
I've always been there. And I call that, I've spent my entire life playing to the back of the room. And right. as long as when I walk into a room, like you said, you were at FCA yep. and here you are, you're with all these corporate people and there's 10,000 people working in your building. And Dennis McCoy comes in to do a freestyle demonstration for Fiat Chrysler Automotive. And you get to walk up to that dude and he, he acknowledges you when you acknowledge him. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, about playing to the back of the room. And those are the kind of relationships that I continue to foster and want people to, to understand that I know that I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm quirky to a lot of people because my toxic trait is I want everyone to get along and I want everyone to be friends. And I know that that's not realistic, but at the same time, the, the kid in me and the dreamer in me and the guy that wants everybody to get along, there's no harm in that. Not so no one can really hold that against me, even well, though people try to. It's it's uh it, it takes every single every single person to do that and have that, and the more the more you can spread that out and change minds, one 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 person at a time, right? I want everyone to be like when they hear my name, like when this is over, right? At some point in time, every one of us is gonna it's gonna we're gonna do our we're get our final curtain call, and we're going to do our do our last our last good deed and and all that stuff. I want people to be like, yeah, I knew him. He was, <laughs> he was fucking, you know, he was out there, but Jason he was Holland. a good dude, right? Yeah. You know, and so if that's what I can do, if, is try to put a little bit of something in someone's bucket. You are, you are a cool dude. I tell you, like when we were texting back and forth with messenger, or whatever it was, I'm like, what's going on? I mean, it was again, like you said earlier, it's like the, no time has passed, so it, you instantly go back to like where we were on bikes and kids, yeah. but life happens. I mean, we move on with it. Like you, you took your path. I took my path. I mean, everybody's got their own path. It would be kind of weird if I was still riding up on a BMX bike. Like, dude, you know, I'm riding again. Hey dude, what's going on? You know, <laughs> let's go ride. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that would not, that would not, it would not surprise me. I wouldn't be like shocked about it. It wouldn't be like, dude, come on. I'm like, Hey, I'm 55 years old. I mean, you know, it's like, I would be like, all right, I got to put air in my tires, but I'm in. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, and it wouldn't be, pop tarts and uh in, in i don't know i hops, actually but... actually you know tomorrow's my birthday i, I actually want to get my bike out and and try a pop tart you got i think i'm gonna i'm gonna go for I it i can still do a decade i know i can still do i can I, do I, decades, like, every once in yeah. a while I'll, I'll i got the, R, I get the rl22 in there i can do a decade that thing that. and that's got a tall enough top tube that you can uh, well I, it's gonna seat. i'm a short guy so well five seven five seven and a half i don't know I used to be five eight i'm shrinking yeah we all are <laughs> <laughs> well dude listen i am over the moon that you were that you agreed to do this and and honestly from the bottom of my heart this is you i wanted you to know and i didn't want to do this over the phone i want it or over facetime which i can do those but i wanted you to hear from me and sit across the table for me and let me look at you and tell you that you changed my entire life you gave me the confidence to do things that i didn't know were possible and you're still making a difference in my life 33 years later and i I, I appreciate that for you, and I'll, you know. Can I just I, tell you, I, I love you, man. I love you, right too, there. man. I thank you very much. This, so. I, I feel very honored. I, uh, yeah, it's good. It, makes, a, it, it, it fills my bucket. Cool. This is a good place to, to leave off and go drink a couple more beers. All right. All right. You have been listening to the How On Wheels podcast with your host, Jason Holman. Thank you for listening.